In this episode, we discuss the golden rule, as well as its offshoots, the platinum and double platinum rule, when creating a customer experience that ensures a long-lasting and authentic relationship with your clients and business partners. This is Digital Bacon FM. Let's have a little bit of... And it's 10 o'clock. Our marketing maestro from Hong Kong, the one, the only, Stephen Barnes. Bring out your dad. Bring out your dad. I'm not dead. I'm not dead. Go and do us a favor. Hello, a little bit of Monty Python on a Friday morning. I'm just doing well. I've just got a headache. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah, it's Friday again. Goodness gracious me, don't time fly when you're having fun. Mm, indeed. So, what's happening? Uh, well, Hong Kong has uh, cooled down a little bit in the last week or so since I spoke to you previously. Mm. Um, the summer heat is now well and truly over. Uh, we've got that uh, gentle sort of you know, autumn um uh, 22, 23 degrees sort of mildness to it in the evening. And during the day, we've got that uh, gentle little sort of breeze that uh, uh, makes it all very palatable and allows you to uh, um, take advantage of what nature has to offer, given there aren't too many green uh, options in Hong Kong. So, uh, yes, uh, autumn is here and it's all feeling pretty good. So, sir, we are on the golden rule, the rules, three rules. Well, again, in context, um, intelligent content marketing, uh, having reduced the uh, material or uh, I should say the subject matter down to a collection of material that uh, can uh, represent sort of bite-sized chunks of understanding. And we put it into uh, the Monopoly Planner. And uh, you and I have been working our way through uh, the 36 chapters of the Monopoly Planner material for the last couple of months or so. Um, hmm. And today we're uh, just coming into chapter eight out of 36, uh, where we talk about the golden rule. And uh, hmm. uh, we have actually discussed this on your show once previously. Um, yes. But the golden rule comes about as, well, if you dig deep into philosophy and, um, and, and theology, uh, you'll find that uh, all the major religions in the world essentially have a variation on the same theme when it comes to the golden rule. Uh, so it is part of the universe. It can be said to be part of the sort of the uni- universal human condition. Hmm. Um, uh, anyway, without further ado, uh, the golden rule is to treat other people in the same way that you yourself would hope to be treated. And uh, uh, I... I really had to uh, adopt this really without challenge to the idea of it when I was coming out of almost bankruptcy because it was absolutely mission critical that I not fail, that everything that I set my hand to, given the um, you know pe- pressing demands of, uh, of limited time and limited resources, uh, needed to be successful in what I did. So um, I always had this intuitive sense that the best way to treat people is just to, you know, and put yourself in their shoes and then uh, view the world through their prism and then, uh, and then, you know, treat them according to their understanding of the world. 
um, a variation on that theme, of course, is just to treat other people how you would like to be treated. So what emerged from my early thinking and, uh, and, and absolute necessity in actual fact was this idea that I was going to treat other people in the same way that I wanted to be treated because uh, I needed positive outcomes from all my interactions. I didn't have the luxury of, uh, of, of, of being able to fail anymore. Uh, and wow, what a surprise. I mean, um, intuitively, I always kind of understood that uh, you know, if you deal with people forthrightly and positively um, and on their terms, then that will uh, yield you know, a, a good return for you one way or the other. But I didn't truly understand the um, magnitude of the import of the golden rule uh, until I'd experienced it, or the benefits of it, I should say, the results of it, um, after about 18 months or two years, once uh, we'd uh, you know, cleared the woods, as it were, and, uh, and we were sort of on the way again. Uh, and then as I did my reading, I continued to do my reading and research and um, uh, began to consume sort of the material of my intellectual heroes. It wasn't uh, too long before I came across um, Charlie Munger essentially articulating that, you know, this, the easiest way to get on in life is to treat other people in the same way you yourself would hope to be treated. So, yeah, uh, if I can leave your listeners with with, with one simple message about how to function in the connection economy. And that is, you know, treat other people just like you yourself would hope to be treated. But do you have to draw a line in the sand? Because out there, there are a lot of people who would take advantage and not feel a thing doing it. Well, indeed, yeah. And you do come across sociopaths. And I've had a few sociopaths in my life uh, in the past uh, that have wreaked havoc and destruction. And uh, every so often I get a sociopath coming across our professional practice, but I can, um, I can sense them a mile off now. And uh, it's just part of, part of sort of human experience, really. You know, when people are ultimately trying to take advantage of you and don't have anything to offer in return. Mm. So going into prospect relationships in good faith, uh, just from a disposition that you are going to, you know, look after the interests of the other person rather than look after the interests of yourself in, in relation to, you know, the domain and the specialist the area that you can add value to their lives in. Mm. Um, and uh, and then take it from there. Uh, experience will, uh, will, will no doubt give you the tools to shut down uh, those people who are just destined to try and, try and take advantage of you. Uh, it, 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 it all depends ultimately. You, you learn over time when people are, are just wanting to take more and more out of you and, and they're simply not uh, ready to give anything back and they're not appreciative at all of, of how it is that you're trying to work uh, on their behalf and do good things for them. Um, uh, but at, at some stage, you know, once you have kind of cottoned on to their game, as it were, then, you know, you can cause, well, I do anyway, I can cause them down pretty quickly. Uh, and the way you cause people down pretty quickly is ultimately just to go on to say no to the service need. Mm. You kill them with kindness. You could put it that way. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Right, I had uh, had a, a gentleman and his and his partner uh, in to see me several months ago, and uh, they came in to see me on, on a couple of separate occasions. Um, and like I always do, I gave each of them an hour of my time, uh, and basically went through exactly the same stuff uh, the second time as I went through the first time. Uh, and then they disappeared, and they went off and sort of tried to forge their way in Hong Kong to create the environment that could go off to get immigration status so they could continue to live here. Uh, but it became apparent to me that it, this couple, for they were a couple, uh, were in a very strange relationship. The the guy was a very domineering personality and the lady was a very, um, um, what's the, the opposite type of personality? Submissive. 
that might that might be descriptive. She's a professional <laughs> as well as he was too, so there might be a little bit more to it than just being merely submissive. But certainly he called the shots. Mm. Um, and uh, they went off and they did their thing, as I say. And then, oh, over the course of about six or eight weeks, I kept getting these sort of one or two line emails that were kind of, in a sense, throwaway on his part. It had expectations of me that uh, meant that if I was to comply with it, I have to sit down and spend hours and hours and hours, you know, writing up answers to the, the, the off-the-cuff sort of queries that he was, he was uh, asking about. And, and these were off-the-cuff queries that related to outcomes that I'd already told him were not attainable um, when I'd had, uh, you know, the two previous meetings with them. Mm. Uh, and then the, st- the, the straw that brought the camels back was when uh, the last time he came back to me and said, uh, again, one or two lines up. Someone told me and then, you know, stated a, a proposition in Hong Kong immigration that, that is completely false. Uh, uh, and then asked me, you know, at the end of it, you know, what do you think is this suitable and relevant in my situation? Um, well, you know, at that point, I said, well, I, I, I know what's going on here. It's enough now. Um, he's not taking to, to heart the advice that I'm giving him. Uh, he's got his own view of how he's going to solve this problem. He's clearly, you know, seeking uh, opinions of others. Uh, and he just thinks that he can come back and validate his own um, uninformed research, if I can call it that, after the fact, even though I've given him the advice that he needed, given them the advice that they needed twice, uh, that he uh, he just simply wasn't, um, you know, wasn't going to be uh, a client worth dealing with. Uh, he was actually quite, quite desperate to instruct us. Um, but I made the decision based on my dealings with him that it would just be a whole world of pain that if I took them on professionally. Uh, and so uh, I just very respectfully and quietly um, closed them down, declined to act for them uh, and put that to bed. Mm. So, you know, that's an example of how you can get taken advantage of if you do position yourself, um, you know, to, to deploy the golden rule in how you create and manage and maintain your relationships. Uh uh, you just have to uh, be alert to the fact that, uh, as they say in Lancashire, there's now queer and folk, and mm. there will always be people that want to take advantage of you, and you do have opportunities uh, on the back of experience to be able uh, to sort of uh, close that down without it being too burdensome after time. But you know, net positive is, you know, if 95% of your relationships all yield really good outcomes because you've um, deployed the uh, the golden rule in uh, in the way you operate, and only 5% are, uh, are mischief makers, let's put it that way, uh, then that's a, a pretty good strike rate, don't you think? Yep. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying no to business. If it doesn't feel right, and you know that it's going to, as you say, be a lot of pain for the money, there's nothing wrong with walking away. We do it in F&B all the time. You get people who want a booking. You can see by the way or they, they want accommodation. You can see the way they structure their questions, the way they do all of the sort of stuff you think it's not going to be worth it. I'd rather have somebody else's cash at the end of the day. Oh, without, without a doubt. And, you know, there's also the scarcity principle in play here. Um, when people are coming at you from the perspective that they're clearly out to take advantage of you, they're going to try and get the most out of you that they possibly can for the least amount of sort of contribution that they're going to make in kind. Um, the ability to say no to them 
uh, is a major problem ultimately if you've got the scarcity factor playing in your in your in your favour. Like for example, like in, in the example of Moorcroft, if um, if you, if Moorcroft found that uh, a party that wanted to book the venue for some function were just completely intolerable to deal with. Um, and uh, it just so happened that, uh, you know, it was an absolute sort of necessity that this function be held in Moorcroft because there's nowhere else anywhere close by for it to be reasonably held at and to achieve the kind of experience that can be achieved at Moorcroft. Then uh, you say no to that, then those, those guys are buggered, right? What are they going to mm. do now? Where are they going to go at this point? Uh, and uh, there's a lot of sort of, you know, satisfactory irony, if you will. Or ironic satisfaction, yeah, ironic satisfaction in in ultimately saying no to these people that that you know have been you know basically rattling your cage and uh, and haven't respected what mm. you've tried to do for them and the way that you've treated them, uh, knowing that ultimately they ain't got anywhere else to go. Or certainly in immigration in Hong Kong, they do have other places to go. And part and parcel of what I did to um, exit from the example that I was given you was that I um. Uh, I gave them the names of other companies in Hong Kong who do immigration and they could go off and Google those providers and then go through the process of making determinations about who they might want to instruct. Mm. Uh, there's no way in a million years that I would recommend um, another immigration service provider to those people, uh, by name at least in any event. Uh, they just have to go off and do the research and find an alternate uh, an alternate partner, partner to help them. So, so I guess what happened in that instance is the one side said no, and I dealt with the, um, the, the the follow-up question, which was, well, who else can I get this advice from? Uh, then I knew that effectively those people were no further forward than, than they had been when they came to see me several months ago, because all they'd done in the meantime is get my advice, ignored it, um, second-guessed it, um, uh, harassed me about it without really appreciating that they were, you know, harassing me and not respecting my my opinion and my time. Uh, and they were right back to square one after I'd said no. Well, you know, what goes around comes around, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's got to, it's got to be open and honest, and uh, not a waste of time. Then you know, if you if you pay somebody for advice, take the advice, especially if you can trust the advice. And it's another it's another another sort of thing about experience too, Jason. You know, as you as you get on in years, as as, as you certainly are, and, you know, I'm yeah, I kind of, that. you know, plowing along there with you, you know, same fur and all that kind of stuff. How very with GOP of, plowing along. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, with uh, with with the benefits of experience and uh, and age, you and you kind of you can look back at those. And the formal education, yeah. You can look, you you can look at those that type of behaviour, and you can identify it for what it is, mm. and you can see that it's not productive behaviour. It's not allowing those people to progress their goals, mm. you know. And guys like you and I know how you know we should treat people. Um, we know that we can be successful by treating people in the right way. Uh, and others that don't treat people in the right way, they're 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 on a hiding to nothing over the long haul because they're simply not going to make any progress. And you know the benefit of experience and grey hair like you and I have got uh, gives us the ability <laughs> to look to look at those circumstances and say, guys, you know, you know, wake up and smell the coffee. This is not serving your best interests at all. Mm. All you're doing is antagonising those people who are who are not not willing to be antagonised by you. You might you might be able to antagonise people less experienced than you, or you might be able to intimidate them through you know the, the the quality of your bluff and bluster but in the final analysis you're not going anywhere with this behavior so you might want to reflect on um, uh, on that and you know uh, I, I look back at some of the 
ways earlier on in my career that I behaved, uh, you know, adopting what were deemed to be sort of universal ways of conducting oneself in business. Uh, and then I realized that, you know, I was, I was um, mimicking uh, less than productive behaviors, I felt uh, in many instances. And that, that certainly didn't uh, allow me to progress my goals and objectives. And that's why I ended up you know, with uh, so much trouble over time. Mm. Uh, yeah, so the benefit of experience allows you to uh, to look back at these people. And, uh, of course, they're not going to get their houses in order just because, you know, you said no to them. But uh, it will at least give them some experience to reflect upon. And uh, and, and if they are... Um, if they're worthy of the human spirit, then you know they'll they'll, they'll change and they want to, they want to have them um, have those encounters again. Mm. Now, if the golden rule suffices, why need a platinum one and a double platinum one? Well, in the final analysis, it's all about definitions, right? And um, I think it's the Americans that uh, took the golden rule and then you know dwelled upon it and come up with uh, different sort of variations on the ideas that would ultimately then suggest that there's a formula that emerges from the way you've couched these concepts through one or two words that uh, will deliver uh, the most efficient way of um, manifesting the outcomes that are inherent in uh, the uh, application of the golden rule. So so like the golden rule is treat others how you would like to be treated. And the platinum rule is treat others the way they want to be treated so you know in that guys what you're doing is you're saying well i recognize that the way i would perhaps want to be treated in this instance could very well be different from the way that you would want to be treated in this instance so what i'm going to do is i'm going to um i'm going to uh treat you the way that you want to be treated because i know that's what's better for you uh well, that's true. It's a different way of describing the approach to, you know, the idea manifested in, 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 the, in the golden rule. But when you get right down to it, ultimately, all you're doing is, 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 is looking at the factors and circumstances of the other party and you're wanting to do the very best by them that you possibly can, uh, irrespective of how you sort of couch the language to bring about that outcome. So I, I think it's really splitting hairs if you want to talk about the difference between the golden rule and the platinum rule. Ultimately, it's it's the, uh, it's the intended outcome that you're um, hoping to attain as a result of the way that you treat people that's important. And whether you do it by treating them in the way that you want to be treated or treated in the way that they want to be treated, ultimately, as long as the outcome is the same, it doesn't matter, you know, which way you skin the cat. Um, and then, of course, there's the uh, the double platinum rule that no one ever talks about, and it's certainly not in the, the Bible, and it's certainly not in the Quran, and it's certainly not in the, uh, in the in the Hindu scriptures. And that is treat others the way they don't even know they want to be treated. That is exceed all their expectations. <laughs> so, uh, which uh, is a great way of approach, actually. And, and the promise over deliver. Uh, yes, on steroids. That's what that's all about. Um, mm -hmm. But I, but uh, but again, I, I think it's all part and parcel of the same thing, right? It's it, it's coming into a relationship uh, with another party, and you having a disposition that says it's not about me; it's about them. And because it's about them, I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to make it about them. That's reasonably within my control. Yeah. Um, so whether you call it the golden rule, the platinum rule, or the double platinum rule, they're all part and parcel of the same thing, in my view. Now, in, in relationships, business relationships, customer, restaurateur relationships, are both parties equal? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? Like you always throw out. I mean, my, my, my perspective Flattery is that yes, gets you everywhere, Barnes. 
Well, you know, I, 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 they always they always say that you can judge a person by the way that they treat waiters or wait staff, right? Mm-hmm. So when I when I go into a restaurant, I know that I'm there to have a certain kind of experience, um, and I know that the party that I'm dealing with is serving me is doing their job, and they're there for a reason, and they're going to, you know, if they're there, they should they, they they're undoubtedly trying to do the very best that they can, and I always give them the benefit of the doubt that they're they're trying to do the very best that they can. Um, but you know, when I'm dealing with uh, with, with well, I'm having a, 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 a restaurant experience. I'm 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 overly polite. I'm you know respectful of, uh, of 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 the other party. You know, I think at the end of the day, everyone has to be equal, right? You you said earlier about win-win. It's it's the same in a restaurant environment. Mm. If the if the customers are nice, then it obviously impacts well on the uh, on, on the perception that uh, the staff have of that customer and. One would assume that, uh, you know, given that there are always going to be good customers, there are going to be bad customers and indifferent customers. Those that are, are good, if you will, are, um, are, are are a little bit of sunshine and uh, and sort of you know welcome in the uh, well, welcome to the daily well, welcome in the daily routine of, uh, of, of of the people that are working in that restaurant. Well, so was... my philosophy is that 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 the, the parties are equal. But what do you think? Well, there was there was so many NAF training concepts a while back. There was a, a big uh, well, there still is a big steakhouse chain here, and they were training their staff. They didn't call them staff. They called them waitrons. So it was gender neutral, but uh, as terrible as it gets. And they wanted their team members to crouch onto their haunches and take the order so that they were sitting or, or they were communicating with their clients below their clients. Lower. So their clients lower, mm-hmm. yeah, looked down on them to give them an order because they felt that the customer was more important than the staff. Which I think is mm. disgusting. When when you pop psychology, yeah, you know if you if you think about you go in you go into a business, uh, be it a restaurant or any other business, it's because you've earned enough disposable income to go into that business in your own business where you have hopefully been treated as an equal who, by somebody who's come in to make use of your services. It's just a repeat yeah. of services through different different fields so why yeah. why should you have any hierarchy you're a customer you have an expectation of delivery be it service food or whatever it is and if that's met it's on an equal basis it's not on a, a, a subservient basis at all absolutely absolutely and i think that 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 phenomenon um, manifests itself certainly in in the way that we run our immigration practice, where um, I take the view that my my colleagues, my team, my staff are in a, in a sense much more important than the clients are. Not not that they are actually more important than the clients, because ultimately the clients are the ultimate of ultimate importance because they 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 make sure that our families get fed. But in terms of order order or order of hierarchy, what I do is I focus on taking care of my team and make sure that my team feel that they are respected and they are valued and that they uh, are important and, and as indeed they are and that then in turn reflects immeasurably on how you know the customer service experience is delivered because you know when you're taking care of the people that are going to be taking care of the uh, of the uh, of, of, of the means of earning the money then um, you know not only have you got fewer relationships that you need to manage and take care of uh, but you've actually got everyone's best interests at heart, and that 
does really reflect in how the customers are treated as well, because uh, the, the team the, 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 the believe that they're looked after and uh, and they in turn look after the customers. Mm. And similarly, when you get uh, a, a, a customer a client that comes along and insists on, as we discussed last week, actually, in a sense, denigrating the um, uh, the autonomy that the team have been given to provide solutions and to deliver an experience and all the rest of that by demanding to see the big cheese instead, you know, that's not only disrespectful, but it also reinforces the notion that you've got to look after your team and forget about that errant, that errant client that's got, you know, a beef. If the client's got a beef, fine, let's deal with the beef. Um, and let's, you know, uh, uh let, let's let, let's let's let them come away from the situation feeling as though the beef has been addressed and that they are much better off as a result of it. They've been taken seriously. That can be attained without denigrating at all. Mm. Uh, you know the colleagues, the frontline colleagues that were involved in any of that. It, but so it, it, uh, we it don't does, we don't have any of that. We we'll look after them. Mm-hmm. It it does go the other way. You get certain professionals that have letters after their names. I mean, I've just got K N O B after mine, Jason Black Knob. But when you have uh, doctors in particular, they they really do milk the system. So you go to a doctor or if you cancel a doctor's appointment on the same day or don't pitch, he'll happily charge you, all right, because he believes mm-hmm. his time is worth it and that's just the way it goes. He's got other people he could have charged. But you go to a doctor's um, offices or, or whatever they call them um, and you get there on time for your appointment, you wait half an hour or an hour and they don't even apologize because yeah, he's just yeah. way too important as stuck up his own ass, to be frank. Um, so why is his time more valuable than his client's time? And particularly when, when he's being compensated for that, that value anyway. Absolutely. Right? So why can't why can it be deemed more valuable? I, I agree with you. Um, I, I just think that uh, certain professionals, it's becoming, I think it's becoming less and less acceptable now. You see it in Australia that, uh, for example, the, uh, the, the, the way that they manage uh, the, the clinics and surgeries, they try to be, you know, boom, 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 as efficient as they possibly can and they schedule properly and they're respectful of the fact that you can't, you can't tell someone you've got an appointment at, uh, a doctor's appointment at four o'clock and then see them at 4.25 mm. um, because essentially, you know, that, that person who's got the appointment, they may have to go off and pick their kids up by a certain time later yep. on, or they may have another important appointment that's that they have to be at that's you know just as important. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't think I don't I don't I don't have any truck with that. I think some of it's changing, but I agree with you completely. There is a perception in certain in certain locations in certain professions that uh, uh, the 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 office holder uh, has got uh, rights and privileges that allow them to you know behave in a way that otherwise wouldn't typically be socially acceptable or commercially acceptable for that matter now now things are changing around the world and i think they change quite quite for the better in australia with let's talk about gym contracts for example in that the, the old way of doing things was to lock somebody in never let them out of the contract milk them as much as you can get the two years contract and then it became illegal to do it they still do it in hong kong and they still do it here. How long does it take before people realize that that is a very old way of doing things? If you look at Cahill doing U time in Hong Kong, and actually yeah. the gym that I go yeah. to here, you pay when you go. If you don't go, you give yeah. a month's notice, and that's fair to everybody involved. How do they yeah. still have these business models where they lock people in? Cell phone contracts are another one. 
um, yeah. where it's rapacious, uh, and yet it's a two-year contract. Who knows what happens in six months? Why are they allowed well, to get away with it? Well, it's the it's the connection economy versus the industrial economy phenomenon all over again, right? In the industrial economy, that's the way these things were originally conceived, and that became the way of doing that type of business. Um, I've said this before. In Hong Kong, uh, when you get a gym membership, uh, do you know who the ultimate customer is? The ultimate customer the isn't landlord. the guy that's going and using the equipment. Yeah, the ultimate customer is the landlord because the person that has to get paid every single month is the landlord, mm. right? And so that's that's just, that, that's what a gym is servicing, the needs of the landlord. And so in order to service the needs of the landlord, then what they've got to do is they've got to put these industrial economy type um, structures together to make sure that they're going to be in business uh, at the end of each month because the landlord is not going to be kicking them out. Mm. So, you know, there'll be... Uh, there's some, some some structural impediments, certainly in Hong Kong. That's just because of the nature of the Hong Kong economy, mm. where these things are just going to kick on and kick on and kick on until some until guys like Kyle come along and, and come up with an alternate model that makes sense for people. Mm. Uh, but I think ultimately the answer to that question over time, Jason, is that people vote with their feet. Yeah. Right. Once it becomes untenable and there are other options available, then or, or, or leaves a bad, bit bitter taste in their mouth rather than untenable, then um, mm. they uh, they vote with their feet and off they go into the sunset. So, but this is all part and parcel shifting from the industrial to the to the connection in the same way as you know it didn't happen overnight that we moved from the agrarian to the industrial. Mm. Uh, it takes a long time for things to shift, and uh, those that don't uh, that don't adjust get left behind. Those people who recognise the world is changing and get in early. Well, you know this is where fortunes are made, right? Well, and, and you can and you can see it when you look at a at a, at a company that's advertising and it says you know take take on our services. If you're not happy, cancel. We'll refund you straight away. Or uh, if you're not happy with the product, take the product for 100 days. If you're not happy, we'll give you your money back. We'll pay the shipping. That is 100% confidence in what they have, and they want you to be happy. And if not, you walk away unscathed, unbruised, and you probably have still a great impression of the company. The product may not have been for you. That That's a subjective, personal thing. But you will still say, they did right by me. And it comes right to the heart of the connection economy logic, right? The connection economy, it's all about the relationship. It's mm. not about the system. It's not about the process. It's not about you know the way the value is positioned. It's all about the relationship. And so some relationships will go on to yield the kind of the best possible commercial outcome for the particular party that's, that's seeking that outcome. And some relationships will not achieve an immediate commercial outcome. But what you, what they will have is uh, an exchange of, that's been based on respect, an exchange that's been based on trust, an exchange that's left a memorable impression on the party that, that hasn't transacted on this occasion. And the beauty of all of this is that you've got to understand that the human, the human psyche is that we all have problems. We all have jobs to be done, right? We've got to get those jobs to be done. And we're looking for the fastest possible way to get those jobs done. And it may be that we come across a party that on this occasion we've decided not to transact with for whatever reason or other, but you've made the impression in terms of what the relationship's all about and that you'll be the first port of call when the next time a, a, a service need does present itself. Mm. It's about the relationship. You get the relationship right. You don't pay lip service to it. You treat them, treat them properly, apply the golden rule, you're on your way. Perfect segue to say goodbye, Mr. Barnes. Thank you. It's been a pleasure as always. 
next week, Friday, same time, same place. Shall look forward to it. And uh, a little bit more upbeat intro next time, please, because uh, <laughs> it okay. dark let, let, Okay, it was a bit dark. Let me see if I can find something up-tempo to take us out. Hang on a minute. Out. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Stephen Barnes saying adieu. Digital Bacon FM. Think about how you can use the golden rule to address your audience until next time when you find out more about how to be remarkable in the connection economy. Mm.